Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. When putting together today's episode, I wanted to focus on the role of the width of the cuff and how that can affect pressure and therefore the response whilst using BFR training. So there's one article in particular that appeared in Frontiers in Physiology called Blood Flow Restriction, Pressure Recommendations, A Tailor Two Cuffs by Lonarchy et al. I thought this was a really good start to the article and the things that I wanted to discuss today. Then what happened when I was reading it, I remember there was another article by Lonarchy et al, who actually looked at blood flow restriction in upper and lower limbs is predicted by limb circumference and systolic blood pressure. So what will happen today is I'll start talking about one and I find the next article is actually a really good progression and can help explain the message here. So the underlying thing where we've got to remember that when we think about BFR, we apply a pressure by a cuff at the top of a limb and we inflate it to a set pressure throughout exercise. This pressure applied should be high enough to occlude venous return from the muscle but low enough to maintain arterial inflow into the muscle. Throughout literature, several different methods are applied with respect to setting the BFR pressure and these pressures can be anywhere between 75 to 220 mils of mercury. So the purpose of this current manuscript was to discuss the importance of setting BFR cuff pressure based upon appropriate factors. First area that this manuscript spoke about was the use of arbitrary pressures. So I remember even myself when I first started using BFR, you just used a set pressure. Typically on lower body work, if for an average male, I would use a pressure of say around 140 mils of mercury. However, the literature suggests that the pressure applied should largely be dependent upon the width of the cuff, as well as the size of the limb to which the stimulus is applied. So to illustrate this, there was three studies which used an arbitrary pressure of 200 mils of mercury for each participant. The first two studies applied this pressure using a narrow 5 centimeter cuff, whereas another study used a wider 11 centimeter cuff. The problem here is that using the same absolute pressure applied with a wide cuff has been shown to result in differences in arterial occlusion pressure at rest, and therefore pronounced changes in cardiovascular function when compared to the same pressure applied with a narrow cuff during resistance exercise. The group in this paper used a data set from their lab where they quantified supine arterial occlusion with both a 5 and a 13.5 centimeter cuff to illustrate this problem of using arbitrary pressures. They showed that using a narrow 5 centimeter cuff that 19 out of 83 participants would be at or below their respective arterial occlusion pressure at an arbitrary BFR pressure of 200 mils of mercury. Therefore, it is possible that some of the participants in those previous studies were under complete arterial occlusion at rest. And as we know, we don't want to create complete arterial occlusion, but use a percentage, typically depending on upper or lower body, around that 50 to 80%. The second idea that many investigators have traditionally used is the use of brachial systolic blood pressure. So, for example, in BFR literature, it's common to see that the pressure for lower body is based upon a percentage of the individual's brachial systolic blood pressure, say for example 130%. Although this may appear to provide a relative method, there's little evidence that brachial systolic blood pressure provides a good estimate of BFR to the lower limbs. And this lack of relationship between the two, between upper body brachial systolic blood pressure and lower body arterial occlusion, is not surprising given the large differences in limb sizes between the upper and the lower body. 
This group of investigators used their own data set applying 130% of brachial systolic blood pressure to their subjects. They showed that this would result in arterial occlusion in 49 out of 116 participants if the investigation were to use a wide 13.5 centimeter cuff, whereas only one participant out of 83 would be under arterial occlusion if the stimulus was applied using a narrow 5 centimeter cuff. This therefore highlights the importance of basing pressures on the cuff width. The article also spoke about the possible differences between cuff materials. Say for example narrow cuffs may be used of elastic type material, whereas the wider cuffs are traditionally made of nylon. They said that it's possible that the difference in the material may result in differences in the ability to restrict blood flow, and some of this difference may be due to differences in initial pressure. My also thought here is that if you're using something of a thinner elastic type material, traditionally they don't come with a pump or anything to measure it. You might be using an RPE of 7 out of 10. It's quite interesting that they would be discussing the use of material. But however, it's something to actually consider when using it. My cuffs, for example, use a detachable pump. I, th I feel it's really important to be able to set a pressure and from that point been able to remove the pump so that the user has a greater range of freedom through their movements in their training sessions. The big take home around the pressure recommendations is really to account for cuff width and also the size of the limb. Remembering once again, if you're using a smaller cuff, the pressures have to be so much higher to achieve arterial occlusion or a percentage of arterial occlusion, as opposed to a wider cuff, which has been shown to more likely to achieve arterial occlusion. So therefore, whatever your numbers are based upon, you would think that would be more accurate using a wider cuff. This paper really helped reinforce the use of wider cuffs for my own product. But I really left this thinking there's a couple of really nice papers out there by Lonarchy Still. They go into a little bit more detail around the calculation of pressures. This paper looked at the determining factors which should be accounted for when setting BFR cuff pressure for both the upper and the lower body. So in this case for upper body in particular, arm circumference, muscle and fat thickness were measured. Brachial systolic and diastolic blood pressures were also taken. And also, upper body arterial occlusion was also determined using a Doppler probe. Similarly, for the lower body, thigh circumference and lower body arterial occlusion was also determined. What they then did in this study is they used models of linear regression to determine the greatest predictor of arterial occlusion in both the upper and the lower body. Two models were employed in the upper body, a field, or an arm size, and a laboratory model, arm composition, so taking into consideration fat and muscle thickness. In the upper body, the laboratory model explained 58% of the variance in the arterial occlusion with systolic blood pressure, muscle thickness and fat thickness contributing similarly to the explained variance. Whereas the field model explained 60% of the variance in arterial occlusion with arm circumference explaining the greatest amount compared to systolic blood pressure and diastolic blood pressure. For the lower body model, the linear regression explained 49% of the variance in arterial occlusion, with thigh circumference and systolic blood pressure being significant predictors. In the paper, they actually put down their respective formulas for all the three different models. Now from a practical standpoint, I've actually taken this model and run with it a little bit. As I said earlier, I traditionally use just an absolute pressure across all individuals, but found that this to be a much more user-specific way to calculate a pressure. Further to this, even in my own workplace, we actually created a study to create an ethics clearance to use BFR in my workplace. Now, what this actually does when I then take this to the user, I have a lot more confidence that the methodology that I employ is a lot safer and a lot more specific. And obviously with ethics clearance, I feel that I'm doing the best that I can for the user. 
Also from a practicality standpoint, I can do this quite easily using an automatic blood pressure cuff and a tape. I've actually created us an easy to use Excel spreadsheet that I've put on my website that you can actually download yourself. And I use this regularly in my workplace now across all users. I actually set my pressures at 50% of arterial occlusion. Further work from Lonarchy suggested using a range of around 50 to 80%. I've been using this for about 10 years now and I find that the numbers that I get using this equation sit really nicely with what literature says and what I've actually found in my own use from day to day and my own personal use when I know that the pressures are set correctly. Back to the discussion on the upper body calculations. The field model, which included arm circumference, explained similar variance as the lab model, which included estimations of muscle and fat thickness. So therefore, this suggests that the absolute size of the arm may be more important than the arm's composition. It seems to also suggest that in the thigh circumference, showing that just an overall circumference is the biggest predictor of arterial occlusion in the lower body. Really meaning that if you've got a bigger thigh or a bigger arm, you require bigger pressure. And conversely, smaller thighs or arms require less pressure. It's also interesting to note here that when the regression models were separated by sex, circumference was still explaining the most variance in arterial occlusion. So really to put this into context, the authors stated that it was important to remember that the purpose of applying BFR is to restrict blood flow into the muscle and occlude blood flow out of the muscle, resulting in venous pooling throughout exercise and the rest periods. Therefore, they suggested for the upper body exercise, the pressure should be based upon the size of the arm to which the cuff is to be applied and the brachial systolic blood pressure of the individual. They also recommended that it may be just as simple to take a percentage of the pressure required to cut off blood flow using the cuffs during the exercise bout. And they also suggested that possibly the amount of restriction that is optimal for muscle adaptation, although unknown, to be set between low to moderate relative pressures or around 40 to 50% of arterial occlusion may provide the most robust stimulus with greater pressures not augmenting acute predictors of muscle growth. Furthermore, they also thought that although it's been hypothesized that while greater pressures may not augment the muscular response, the greater pressure may in fact increase the risk of potential injury. This really comes around the idea of creating what's the minimal stimulus threshold to create a response whilst minimizing the potential risk of any injury. With respect to lower body exercise, they suggested that the pressure should be largely based upon the width of the cuff and also the size of the thigh to which the cuff is to be applied. Again, another recommendation that they suggested was to simply take a percentage of the pressure required to cut off blood flow using the cuffs. They also talked about the benefit of using a narrow cuff where it's to be less likely to impede the actual movement of the exercise. Now, if they're talking about a five centimeter cuff, the pressure has to be quite high for the user. And I know, say for example, my cuffs, which are 10 centimeters wide, I'm able to keep the pressures around 50% of arterial occlusion and find that all the users have a really great experience and a great response. Another good point that they actually made in this paper was that these results may not translate directly to a seated or a standing position due to postural changes in blood flow. As we know that when we're taking these blood pressures, you're traditionally in a lying type position. And I know some systems out there, for example, maintain the correct pressure throughout the whole movement. But again, these are quite expensive systems. And I think there needs to be a level of practicality to the user and that's why the ability to either use a wrap which has no tubings or no pumps at all or the ability to remove your pump and have free range of movement I think is quite important when being able to select a BFR system to be used in the real world situation. I hope this gives you a better understanding on how the product you use or the width of the cuff and the pressures you use are important to you as the user.
as I said, I found this quite a useful progression in my own use of BFR. And quite interestingly, I've actually had really great success using just pure absolute numbers. And I always refer back to when you look at other studies using low pressure such as 75 mils of mercury, they're still getting really good responses. And therefore, it, it makes me think we need to obviously take into consideration what literature is saying, but having that use of real world coaching or having the applied knowledge, I think is quite important here. So that's where we'll leave today's journal article review. And now we're going to go to how do you do BFR? Today, we've got Jonathan Dunaher from John Dunaher Sports Performance. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Firstly, I'd like to just tell the audience a little bit about your business. So I guess I've done a few things to get myself to this point. So I did my Bachelor of Exercise Sports Science through the University of Queensland. I actually, you lectured me in a guest lecture at one point for uh, taking on for a uh, lecture for Vince Kelly. And from that point, I sort of done, I guess, tried to do as much as I could. So when I was at uni, I spent a little bit of time interning with Brindley Abad when he was at St. Joseph's College. I did a couple of years work with Andy Utting for Baseball Queensland. And then from that point, uh, I was working at a uh, personal training facility for a man, Daniel Sutherland, which was a great like introduction to the industry. And then I decided that I wanted to, I guess, extend myself a little bit. And I went out in business on my own, which is sort of where I find myself now. And up until the beginning of this year, I was managing the SNC for Wilston Grange AFL. I guess so that's been my journey to this point. Very good. And so the majority of clients that you work with, I guess over time, a lot of gem pop to start with when I was first getting out and over time that's changed. And I guess sort of 80% now of my clientele would be sort of from a sporting background. A lot of these guys who have just finished playing or are currently playing and I guess I sort of fell into a spot where I was training a lot of guys who, who wanted to be pain free and picked up a lot of injuries through their sport and were just looking to get over those and come back to a, you know, to the level they were before or better than before. And then sort of through the work I did with, with the AFL, I've obviously trained a few of the guys who play in the quaffle and a few guys who play kneeful as well. So I've got a nice, I guess I've got a good mix of guys from rehab and performance and then the gen pop stuff as well, which um, I still really enjoy doing that. And I think it's a really valuable spot to kind of play skills and, and practice and, and learn. Sure. Uh, obviously, you're, you use BFR in your own craft. And what I'd like to do is just hear a story about how you incorporate BFR into your own practice and, and maybe using one or two examples for the listeners. Like the first exposure I had to BFR would have been like in 2015 when I was working with Andy Arding. That would have been like the Gen 1 cuff. He got me into it when I had some patella tendinopathy and I found that pretty useful myself and sort of working with that. And then I sort of fell away from it a bit. And then in the last few months, I picked it up again specifically to use with a couple of my clients who were coming back from some surgeries. And one of them in particular, he had, he just had a knee arthroscopy. He's had two ACL reconstructions and a hip arthroscopy. And he's a little bit beaten up in the lower body. So he doesn't really tolerate too much loading, but we like to train him quite frequently. He really responds to well the training frequency. And what I found was in that post-surgery phase is that we had to, we couldn't really do any compressive loading of the joint and just really flared it up and made his knee like real angry. I thought I want to get some quad load in and he needs to bulk up a bit after having so long basically off his legs. And I found that using the, uh, the BFR has been pretty invaluable in not only being able to train his legs, you know, I guess with the strength stimulus at that low percentage of 1RM. But it's also been really good for the size development has been really positive. And then from an anecdotal kind of standpoint, he gets a really, really positive kind of analgesic effect. 
out of using the cuff and like that's been really good to sort of have that and I use that sort of paired up with a lot of sort of long duration isometrics and, and I found that provides probably the best joint feel I guess doing that to start a session then leaves them feeling pretty good to actually go on through the rest of it performing some movements through a full range of motion without the pain that he'd normally experience and uh, I guess over the last sort of month or so we've seen some really good increase in the size in his legs generally specifically his quads so a lot of the guys sort of they comment like on an improved feel proprioceptively they feel like their legs are switched on they feel good and better when they're training and then also there's obviously just getting a bit of a pump on the boys really like it <laughs> yeah, that's always i guess that's kind of how i use that and i find it's been real good just doing really high volume like almost excess volume sort of stuff where i might pair with a, an eccentric kind of emphasized isometric where you'll go like on a 10 to 15 eccentric down to the bottom position of a lunge and then that hold for a further 30 to 45 seconds and then just throw them on i don't have a leg press or anything at, uh, in my gym so i use the reverse hyper as a leg press and i just get them on there for sets of 50 to 100 and whilst it's kind of uncomfortable when you're pushing that many reps with the cuff on like afterwards the i guess the response is really positive they, f- they feel good and they don't come out out of the sessions with any pain and i've seen comparably to where before he'd finish a session and maybe two days later his knee'd be real angry or his hip would be really sore like we're coming out of this with no pain a better feel and you know he's able to go to work and not spend all day like having to worry about taking voltaren three times a day to get through it you mentioned something really good there and what I'm really interested in is hearing about the cool things that people are doing with it. So you mentioned some of your, your lunging type movements, more specifically about traditionally where people would use the leg press or a squat. That was a great example. Is there any other exercises that you're currently doing that you think are quite unique? Oh, it'd be hard to like hard to tell if like what I'm doing is unique necessarily. I'm, essentially, we were limited to not doing concentric work for just a period, and that sort of really got me thinking. I, I guess in ways that I could use the cuffs and maybe some other sort of approaches to actually get some loading for the guys. And I, and I guess where I fell with that was a lot of long duration isometrics, specifically things like a split squat where I'd be holding like a minute in the bottom of a split squat and trying to accumulate sort of two to three minutes per leg, which specifically for this one guy, the range and things like that, and he hasn't been able to squat sort of in a, in a full range for a long time. So getting to that bottom position and holding, like we're getting him stronger in that specific joint angle from doing the isometric and with a view from that to then moving into like later into some, I guess, plyometric work, having that kind of, I guess, like the ischemic effect when you, to preference in the type two fibers is obviously we're getting a bit more hypertrophy and things like that. And I just kind of, I don't know, it just seemed like that's where they're getting that feel of being switched on is after that really fatiguing stuff at the beginning of the session, we then move into a little bit more dynamic stuff and that increased joint stiffness, they're able to just function a little bit better. Just the reaction and the proprioception around the joint was really like I just saw positive, I guess, positive effect in that. And that's, I guess, where the benefit's been for me. And we try to, I guess, get through as much range as we can without loading. And so we do a lot of eccentrics. So like single leg shrimp squats where we just do like a 15 to 20 second lowering and then a reset. And then in like eccentric loaded lunges where we drop down, holding a weight, then dump it and then just hold in the position at the bottom. And then obviously using something like a, the, the reverse hyper for a leg press because I like that because we're like you remove that shearing in the low back and that compression in the knee joints a little less and the pendulum action keeps the load on the leg a little bit more effectively. I, I just, I don't know, I just like it, the, the kind of the feel for it. And then we get a couple of other little ghetto things going like banded leg extensions and uh, we get some leg curls going on the Concept 2 rower. And I just find things like that are really good because they're challenging challenging them a little bit with a position constantly and it makes them actually have to think a little bit about what they're doing, especially when the cuffs, I think they find them a little bit more aware for the duration of a session. 
I think I saw the reverse hybrid example on your Instagram account, and that's yeah. what drew me to actually bring you on, on here. And I think some of the other examples of using the concept to row up as another method to just be a little bit more inventive with your exercises, I, I think that's pretty cool. Well, that's a great example there, Jonathan, about some of the awesome work that you're doing with your athletes. Thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. I really appreciate uh, have, having me on. And yeah, I appreciate the work you do getting the cuffs out there. It's been invaluable for me. And um, I think if the more people that know about it, the better. Yeah, thank you very much for that. And if someone wants to reach you on social media, how do they get a hold of you? I'm probably most active on Instagram. So just at JD Sports Performance. And that's probably my best contact. Uh, I have a Twitter and that's never really used. Instagram is the best way to go. And you're located in Brisbane? Uh, yeah, I'm located in Brisbane in Milton. People know where the Toowong Soccer Club is. We're just across the road there, just near Park Road. Very good. And a website? Website is jdsportsperformance.com. Beautiful. Thanks for your time. No worries, Chris. And that's all today for this episode of BFR Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to take part in the podcast, please contact me through my website or on social media channels at Chris Cavillio. For more information and to order a set of your own BFR cuffs, please visit my website at sportsrehab.com.au. Thanks for listening and keep the pump.